0: Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. On episode two, we've had the chance to sit down with ADM head coach Garrison Carter. Coach will walk us through his life and his journey as a coach. At the same time, we will also learn about what makes his prolific offenses work. Coach has a lot of interesting stories and program building techniques that he shared with us, and I hope all of you find a lot of value in the words that he has to share. As a reminder, our podcasts are updated weekly on Wednesday at our website at IGFootballCoach.com. We're here with Coach Garrison Carter. Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I just actually finished up my eighth, uh, eighth year now, like eight years as a head coach. Uh, I've been the head coach here at Washington High School in Iowa, but actually just accepted the head coaching job at ADM High School, which is just kind of outside of Des Moines, the Des Moines area. Um, been a great run here at Washington, but we're excited for this new opportunity
2: at ADM. Um, Garrett, so what got you into coaching? Um, uh, you know, and then to kind of piggyback off that, um, what who what, what coaches have uh maybe had a big impact on your life and in your career so far? Well,
1: uh, you, you know, I think I guess I am probably like most people, you know, I think uh you know, athletics kind of shaped my life growing up. I really, you know, never had any thoughts about doing anything besides, you know, being involved with athletics and uh learned on uh pretty early on that, you know, playing after college wasn't probably gonna be an option for me. So uh coaching was the next best thing. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to grow up with some tremendous coaches that influenced my life and uh you know, and and I guess kinda is the reason that I'm still doing this today. I guess you asked me yeah, yeah, you asked me about influences. I can dive into that a little bit. you know, I think um, you know, again I, I don't feel like I'm unique. I think you know probably most of the coaches you have on here are gonna say the same things as me, but you know, first of all, my parents, you know, obviously have been a huge influence on me. Just, um, you know, I think they, uh, they taught me and my brothers the importance of, of earning everything, you know, as much as we hated them at times when we were kids, uh, because they made us earn everything and never gave us any handouts. Uh, you know, I think that was probably the best life lesson I could have ever been taught and, and something that I still use as a coach today. Uh, and then my high school coach, uh, Jim Knott from Centerville, you know, I think he, it's just his, his ability to be organized as a program manager and, Uh, You know, Centerville's not the best job on the planet, but, uh, you know, he refused to ever accept the fact that it couldn't be as good as any other program in the state. You know, I think those, you know, I think him and my parents really have have, uh, shaped who I am today as a coach.
2: That's good stuff. And and we'll kind of dive in here a little bit. You've been at Ogden uh, for three years, am I right there, Garrison?
1: Uh, I was at Ogden two years before I came to Washington.
2: Two two years, and then Washington, and then going to be the uh, next head coach at ADM. What have you learned from those places? Um, you know, Ogden's a little bit smaller, whereas Washington and ABM are a little bit bigger schools in the state of Iowa. And you've had success at, at Ogden and Washington both. And w- what has helped you succeed in those places?
1: You know, I think the, the biggest thing, and I think I always, I you know, you know, I hear a lot of people give advice about this and talk about this. And it's just something that I've always understood is that, you know, the culture that you establish is more important than any offense or defensive scheme that you draw Um and that's something I, you know, I just kind of clicked with me from day one that, um, I, it didn't seem to matter what we were going to be running offensive and defensively if we couldn't get our kids to be bought into being tough and competing and earning everything and, you know, uh, laying in traffic for each other and all that stuff, you know. And so I, I think that that has kind of, uh, has kind of shaped our program everywhere I've been. Um, you know, I think the other thing that I've learned is that you got to have a growth mindset, you know, and, um, I've been fortunate to be part of some extremely successful teams as a coach, and uh, but the one thing that I think I, you know, it, you know, it's awkward being on these podcasts and having to, to talk about myself, but and I'm not trying to brag about myself in any way, but I do think I have a growth mindset and that I understand that it, you know there's always ways that I can improve and always ways that I can get better.
0: Coach, you you mentioned about building culture um, at your new stops, and, and my question, I guess, for you is like, what is your culture? What are some of the things that you guys emphasize in all the programs that you've been in?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I think, uh, I guess we kind of have a three-pronged culture. You know, I think, first of all, and, and I touched on this a little bit, but I, you know, I think we have to create a program where everything is earned, you know, and I, again, I, you know, going back to the beginning, I think that's something to learn from my parents, but, uh, you know, in 2018, that's not always the case in in every aspect of these kids' life, but, you know, in, in football, we want our kids to earn everything. So, uh, you know, I think it can look a little different at every school, but for instance, we, when, uh, Washington, one thing that seemed to fascinate our kids was, uh, who could be first in line for, uh, getting their jerseys and getting their jersey numbers and equipment in the, in the fall, or in the summer. Um, you know, so we base that off summer attendance, you know, summer lifting attendance. And the better your attendance, the higher up you are in the order to pick your jersey number and get your equipment. Um, you know, like you can just earning everything. Uh, you know, I think secondly, uh, we, you, we want to build tough, accountable people. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge believer that the toughest team usually wins. You know, you see, you know, I, and I, again, I'm not unique on any of this stuff. I think a lot of people think that, but, um, I think toughness and accountability go hand in hand. Um, for instance, one of our non-negotiables is you need to be five minutes early to everything. If we start if we start lifting at six o'clock, we're going to lock the front door at five fifty-five. If you walk in at five fifty-six, you're going to be on accused absence for that day. Um, you know, again, just trying to trying to develop mental toughness and accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then finally, and, and I think most importantly, I think we got to create a, an environment that kids can't live without. Uh, you know, I'm taking over a school right now. We're just one of the biggest issues facing them is just numbers are down in the program, and, you know, I think, so first of all, one of my biggest criteria for hiring assistant coaches is that they have to be elite at engaging with kids. Uh, but I think, you know, we just need to do a good job of fascinating kids daily and creating an environment they can't live without.
2: That's good stuff, and and to kind of piggyback on that just a little bit, Garrison, I think it's safe to say, um, you know, having been around you a lot and, and don't follow in your programs in the state of Iowa, nobody... And I think this is safe to say, nobody probably promotes their program quite like you do to the extent that you go to, to get exposure for your kids and your school that you're at. Um, talk about some of the, the things that you do that sets yourself apart. Um, you know, you kind of started the signing day um, movement in the state of Iowa. You, you do the Heroes Game, which is kind of partnered with the National Guard. Um, talk about some of those things and and how you promote your you know specifically you know Ogden and Washington and maybe what you'll do at ADM.
1: You know, I, you're right. And a couple of those things you mentioned are things that we we've we've almost done out of necessity. And, and you're right; they have exploded. And, and by no means do I want to ever come on this podcast and, and say that I invented those things. But but I will say that they were original ideas to us and we started doing them seven eight years ago. You know, and, and by you know, and it does, they do have seemed to explode it. And, um, but you know, you talked about a couple of things and we do a lot of, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say unique things, but I think we do a lot of things that, that are similar to that, that try, try to, you know, gather interest in or from our kids. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we have to remember that we're all in the people, people business, right? So I, I think my goal as a head football coach is to create an environment that kids can't live without. Um, so, you know, so we, as assistant coaches, I think, uh, and, and myself, I think it's our job to fascinate these guys. Um, you know, we live in, unfortunately, we live in a world right now where, you know, not every kid necessarily wants to play football. In fact, they're, they're probably being told not to play. Um, you know, so I think social media and special events things like you mentioned uh, are ways that we can get some, uh, get some excitement going about our game and get kids back out.
0: Coach, the next question I'm going to talk about is going to be more, um our philosophy, or less, less about philosophy and more about the X's and O's type of stuff. Um but I, I kind of want you for, to describe for our listeners who may have, not been familiar with um, your offenses and stuff like that. Um, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what your offense is structured like? What kind of a system do you run? Uh, I see last year your offense was quite productive. I believe the top offense in your your class, which is awesome. Share with us a little bit about your secret and what you guys do. You know, I don't
1: know that we have any secrets, um, but uh, you know, I, I mean, just I guess we were going to describe our offense. I think most people would probably describe us as a spread offense. Um, you know, but. Uh, we're kind of a, a blend of a, a lot of different offenses. I think all rolled into one that what kind of makes sense in my mind. You know, I think we're spread as far as our formations, but I think, you know, you watch our schemes and we're almost wing T. Um, and then the way we communicate our plays and we and we communicate and, and run with a fast tempo, we're almost an air raid, you know. So um, how you describe us, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what we classify as, but I guess spread is probably the closest thing to it. Um, and, and you talked about, you know, just our, our philosophy, Um our philosophy is pretty simple. You know, we have, we basically break our offense down into four things, then we rank them in order of importance. Uh, I think the most important thing is our players, right? So we're, what we do offensively year in and year out might look pretty similar to the years before, but it's going to be based on the players that we have. Uh, the next thing we think is most important is our tempo. You know, I think we, we, we play at a pretty fast clip, which we think gives us a, a pretty huge advantage. Um then I think it's formations. You know, I think being able to formation our opponents in the, into the looks we want to get. Um and then finally it's our plays. You know, we don't, we don't have any earth-shaking, uh, crazy plays. We're running, like I said, we're running linky stuff that's been ran forever, but we, we try and formation it into our advantage.
0: Coach, your system that you use—is is there a lot of other systems, like maybe rival high schools or just other opponents that you play that that run similar stuff to you, maybe in terms of tempo or you, or is use? Is your style kind of unique? You,
1: you know, I, uh, yes, I think we're unique in fact I I don't think anybody plays with quite the tempo that we play with. At least that we we've run up against. We see more and more teams that are starting to do similar things, formation and play-wise, and and. and you know, I think ourselves and Solon, who's another team in our in our area and in our district, who's been really successful, we do um, formation and scheme wise we're really similar. So it makes sense that the rest of the teams are, are starting to kind of do some similar things to us. Um, but, yeah, I guess, I, I guess we're semi-unique in what we do.
2: But you've always called plays wherever you've been. Um, I would assume that will continue. Um, what's your philosophy and maybe describe yourself as a play caller, what you look for, what's on your play sheet, um, and and maybe how you kind of script your plays.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if this is the right way to word it, but I think I'm kind of an if fan kind of mind when it comes to calling plays. You know, and, and what I mean by that is I, I'm a huge believer that a defense can only take away so much. Um, you know, in our offense, and we'll probably get into this, but our offense doesn't have a ton of, different plays that we run but we have a lot of different plays that work well complementing each other in in my mind i'm i'm uh if the defense is stopping this and there's no way they can be stopping that kind of play caller on as far as friday night um you talked about the call sheet and how we script things i always script out a set of 25 of our quote-unquote best plays and i do that on tuesday night um i've always been a big believer that i can think a lot clearer on tuesday night in my office than i can on the sideline on friday so uh, we skip we script what we call an on schedule script. Um, as long as we're on schedule with down and distance, we just run right down that script and when we get to the end of it we start it over and run it again. Um, as far as the rest of the call sheet, we have one or two specific plays for you know quote, off schedule, down and distance situations. Um, the rest of the time we're just working trying to work down that on schedule script. Let's see here. Um, I think what else I could talk about from that. I guess, you know, one column that I think, you know, pulling my plays call sheet up here actually from week nine here, trying to discuss what we got on here. One thing that I do think is, um, I don't know if it's unique, but it, it's something that I, that I like and I would recommend if no one does it on their call sheet is, you know, we have a, a column with ten plays. We just call best player plays. Um, these are just certain plays that are designed to get the ball to our best player, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I think that's what we're all trying to do, right, is get the ball in the hands of our best players. So, um, I would make sure you have that on your call sheet.
0: Absolutely, Coach. Uh, Coach, in terms of your run game, um, how would you describe uh, the kind of run game that you guys run? Are you a more of an inside zone, outside zone team, power counter scheme, gap scheme? How would you describe your run game?
1: Uh, you know, we've kind of been a blend of uh, gap and zone schemes, and we're actually going to kind of try and work away from that. Uh, you know, I think our, our biggest philosophy is we're not going to have more than five run blocking schemes for our O line, no matter what. Um, you know, so last year at Washington we were counter tray, uh power sweeps. We have a scheme we call a reach scheme, and then our inside zone. Um and then off those schemes will obviously have some other wrinkles such as, you know, power read or counter read or jet sweep or ISO or things like that. But for the offensive line we just wanna have five schemes that they know. Um, one thing that I'm really looking into and I and about ninety nine point nine percent sure we're gonna go to is we're gonna eliminate inside zone and I know that's probably a blasphemy to talk to you about in the coaches' world on the next X's and those podcast, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to go back to um, fully gap scheme. And the smartest thing I heard of it selling that point was a coach that told me if you go just gap schemes, you can teach your kids to be shoulder block, uh, shoulder leverage block teams, which translates to shoulder leverage tackle on the defensive side of the ball. And, and you know, with the movement that we're going with in, in the game of football and trying to preach player safety, I thought that made a lot of sense. So, um, and I just think inside zones an expensive play you know, and the rest of our stuff is all cap scheme anyway. That's good stuff.
2: Um, so, you know, shifting away from the run game a little bit, your passing game, you know, your Carter, your quarterbacks are huge contributors in the run game, too. You know, Caleb Fry and, and Ryan Reigard were both big contributors in the run game, but, you know, you've put up a always had good quarterback numbers from growing the football. So, you know, talk about your passing game a little bit and maybe what you do that stands out. Yeah, well... Uh, you know, I'm glad
1: you brought up quarterback play because, uh, you know, and I just said I wasn't going to brag about myself, but I think the thing that I am most proud of as a as a head coach and as a play caller. Now I've been doing it for eight years. We've had six different kids start games for us at quarterback. All six of those kids have earned all-state honors. You know, and I I've been fortunate to, to coach some extremely talented kids, but I think our system and, and the way we coach these kids has a lot to do with that as well. Um You know, like you mentioned, you know, our big philosophy is we're going to run our quarterbacks. You know, and I think. You know, you can argue that both ways, but in my brain, I think snapping the ball to your best athlete and, and uh, getting the numbers advantage, or at least a numbers equalizer, makes a lot of sense. Um, in the passing game, we try and keep it really simple for our quarterback. Uh, we don't have any plays where we ask them to make multiple reads. Every everything we do is simply uh, two routes, or you know, two routes that they have the option to throw through. And it's a, again, it goes back to our if-then thinking. Uh, we want you to throw this route unless you can't. If you can't, we'll throw the other route. So.
0: Sure, Coach. Uh, and going off that a little bit, and building towards kind of understanding a little bit more about how your your pass game works. Uh, obviously, the quarterback is a huge part of that, and you, you you mentioned the importance of him in the run game. And we're wondering with you know training your quarterbacks, what are some of the ways that you you train your quarterbacks to be so successful? Like, it, I I know you talked about you have a two man. Um, progression when it comes to them reading is, is there something you do maybe in the off season or something you do during the week that just really translates well to success on Friday nights?
1: you know, I, we, you know, I can talk about a lot of that stuff too. And, uh, you know, I, I think in the off season, you know, we just have, like everybody, we have a basic throwing routine these guys go through and, and they kind of can self teach. I am a huge believer and we talked about snapping the ball to our kid and letting him run it. We always find our best athlete. And that kid's gonna play quarterback for us, and because I do believe that teaching a kid to throw is a, a skill that, that can be taught, you know, but you can't teach a kid to run. Um, you know, uh, Coach mentioned Ryan Rickard, who's been a fantastic quarterback for us here. He was a kid that played running back through his freshman year for us, running back and linebacker, couldn't throw a lick, but we knew he was the best football player we had, and we spent all offseason teaching him how to throw, and, uh, was an all-stater for us as a sophomore, so. Um, you know, but we teach our kid, again I just talk, I keep saying if the if band thinking and that's something that's big in our program, but we teach our quarterback um if band's as opposed to identifying certain players or certain coverages. Um, you know, first of all I think one thing we should talk about is we call a run play about seventy five percent of the time. And we tell our quarterback to go to the line and try and run the run play if we can. And if we can't because the defense doesn't allow it or they've stacked the box against us, we have three checks that the quarterback will make up the line of scrimmage. Um they can either check through a now screen, all stops, or fade. Um and again, I'm just a big believer that they can't there's no way they can they can have the numbers advantage to stop our run call and stop now screen, fade, or all stops. And those are simple checks for our quarterback at the line. Uh, you know, on our the concepts we usually have four guys running routes. Um but the quarterback's only allowed to throw to two of them. You know, so for instance if we're throwing smash, we teach our quarterback you are throwing the whip unless you absolutely can't, and then you'll throw the corner. So um, I don't know, it's probably a long-winded way to answer your question, but that's kind of how we communicate with our kids.
0: No, that's good stuff, Coach. Uh, like, So I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned that you talked about, you know, your quarterback's making a check on the line and how it's predominantly called a run game. How much freedom yep. do you give the quarterback in terms of, like, what he can check to, and how do you train or prepare him to, like, give you confidence that, by turning this over to him, he's going to do good things for you.
1: Yeah, so our quarterbacks have – you know, it's funny. I just spoke at a clinic last weekend about this, and I got the same question. Like, wait a second, so you actually like your quarterback change the play at the line of scrimmage? And, yeah, we do. Um, and I, and one reason it hasn't bid us yet, and I think the main reason that it hasn't, is that our quarterback's so still involved in the run game. You know, so a lot of times when they're checking a play to a pass play, they're checking away from a run to themselves. So it has to be a pretty good call. Um, what we tell our kids is the first thing – so we have – say we have inside trap called or we have power read called, whatever. Um, and our kid's going to come to the line, and he's going to count the numbers. You know, and if we have five linemen and they have seven or eight line, linebackers and D linemen in the box, that's probably not a good call. So then they're going to look outside. Is our two-on-two matchup outside for now screen better than the run play we have called? If so, he's just going to check it out real quick, snap it and throw it out there for now screen. Um, if that's not good, and, you know, then there's only two other things that could be good. Either they're pressed up on us, taking away the now screen. If they're doing that, we're just going to track and catch and catch and throw fade to our outside dude. Or else they're leaving our slot uncovered, and we're just going to you know, we call it all stops with this little all four yard hitches, and we're just going to catch and throw it to our slot and get five and, and move on to play the next down. So um, our quarterback has full control to do that whenever they want. You know, I show I actually showed a clip at our at a clinic last week that. Um, if you're going to do this and you're going to turn it over to your quarterbacks, you have to be able to live with some heartburn and showed a clip of a playoff game this year backed up on our own 22 yard line on third and one. We had ISO called out of split backs and our quarterback checked to fade to our outside receiver and luckily he completed it or I might not have been so happy to show it at the clinic. But, um, you know, again, you, you got to be able to trust them and, uh, but it, it's been good for us. And you know, you look at the completion percentage numbers and the rushing numbers that we put up. You know, I think that has a big part to it because it seems like we're always going to at least a play that makes sense before we snap it, you know, so.
2: Coach, how do you cultivate the leadership program? And and like we talked about before, you do teach um, a leadership class. And, um, you know, where did that program kind of come from? And and what do you do that sticks out maybe that's different from everybody else?
1: You know, I'm not unique in any ways. You know, I think a lot of coaches around the country are teaching leadership classes, and in fact, I think it's something that if you're not doing, you need to be doing. You know, I hear that all the time. But everybody wants their kids to be better leaders, um, but unless you're going to actually take the time to teach them to be leaders, then it's hard to expect it from them. Um, you know, so we do. We actually do two different leadership courses. Uh, we teach a six-part one to our going to be juniors, or sorry, our juniors that are going to be seniors uh, every spring in this or in these lessons we focus more on kind of developing their own legacy their legacy as a class um and kind of going out their senior year the right way and how, and just kind of teaching them how to lead the younger guys along for their last ride um but the best thing that we do and we just started doing is we teach a freshman leadership academy to all our incoming freshmen um I, I assume you guys are like us that every teacher in your building says every freshman class that they get is the worst one they've had you know and, and so mm-hmm. i thought One thing maybe we could do as football coaches is, well, we see 30 to 35 of these kids before anybody else sees them. Uh, Maybe we could teach them, you know, how to function like normal human beings a little bit. Um, So before our kids get their pads their freshman year, they have to go through this class with us, and it focuses on, you know, program-based things such as, you know, these are our core values. Um, Here's how you put your stuff in your locker. Here's why we show up five minutes on time to everything. But we also dive into things like here's how you have a conversation with an adult um, here's how you maintain eye contact and shake somebody's hand, here's why you sit in the front row of class and turning your assignments on time, uh, you know, all those kind of things that I think if you can start uh, driving the kid's head before you even have them step into the high school hallways, I think go a long ways. And and I do think that, you know, even though football is under attack in this country a little bit, I still think that being a football player still holds, uh, holds some clout, you know. So I think if our kids are, are modeling the behavior of, what we want out of students, that I think a lot of the other kids in the school building will follow uh, in line with them.
0: Going into a little bit deeper uh, into your your culture and your leadership, how how important are goals in your program? Do you set a lot of goals? You know, maybe individual goals, team goals. How important are goals to your program, and how do you reward players for reaching those, or maybe on the flip side, not reaching those? Uh,
1: you know, it, it, yes and no. I, I think that you know we're like every program. In the country, right? we have a goal sheet or a goal board hanging in our locker room that has nine offensive goals and nine defensive goals. And, by God, if we hit every one of those goals every game, we're going to win a state title. And we track them. Um, but honestly, you know, we talk we talk really about three main goals in our program. You know, the first one on both sides of the ball is we're going to win the turnover battle. Um, and this is something that we genuinely focus on and drive home to our kids every day at practice. We do ball security and takeaways like everyone else. But we also won't end a defensive team rep until the defense has ripped the ball out or I'm tired of watching them try to. And we will run and run and run during any offensive drill where the offensive ball, uh, you know, hits the ground or is thrown an interception. So that's something that we really take seriously when we try and drive home. Um, offensively, our main goal is to win first down. Uh, um, and you yeah, had actually, we just talked about this, uh, that I was at a clinic presentation talking last week, and this is the other thing that we were talking a lot about was, um, we are going to get five yards on first down more than 50% of the time. You know, and I think a lot of people try and get four on first down, or some people might not even track that, but a huge emphasis for us is getting five yards on first down. And it's something we practice every day. Um, you know, we're probably unique in the fact that we don't spend a lot of time working on third and short. You know, and I think a lot of programs, uh, spend a lot of time working on, we're going to win third and short. Well, if we go through Washington's film from last year, there was 13 occasions that we had third and one or third and two. Um But about 45% of our plays were first and ten. You know, so what's more important? And so that's something we really emphasize is, is uh, that we're going to get 50, or we're going to get five yards on first down uh, over 50% of the time. Uh And then on defense, our big goal, and I heard this is not an original idea for me. I wish I could give the credit to who I heard this from originally. Uh, but our big defensive goal is what we call 959 um and this is how we grade practice film this is how we grade our defensive game film we always are talking about our kids swarming to the football uh, you know again everyone does that um but our swarm rating is our 959 and so when the offensive or when the clip the offensive ball carrier is being tackled we pause the film and we got to have 9 of our dudes within 5 yards of the ball 90% of the plays and if we do that then we know we're probably going to win the football game if we don't do that We're not going to be as successful, and we'll run for that on Monday. So, um, you know, that's really – those are our team goals. Like I said, you know, we have 18 or 20 of them hanging in the locker room. These are the three that really mean a lot to
2: us. That's great stuff, Coach. Um, You know, to kind of wrap it up here, is there anything that you're currently researching, learning, reading about uh, that you want to share with our listeners? And um, anything else you want to add about your time at Washington and maybe what you look forward to at ADM? Oh uh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you know one thing that's non negotiable for me is I gotta spend thirty minutes a day reading about something that I'm interested in or reading a book um i I guess the the biggest thing I'm always reading about that fascinates me is, is leadership stuff uh um, then I'm gonna read as much of leadership based uh material as I can possibly get my hands on um right now I, I guess you know X's and os wise the thing I'm trying to do is get more educated on the defensive side of the ball, you know I think it's important to know your enemy. Um and so I've been actually studying a lot of this match quarter stuff and, and I'm really interested by it. I think it's it's got some some good things to it and I'm trying to figure out how to attack it because it seems to be what we're gonna see more and more going forward. Um uh and what was the last part of your question Coach? Sorry.
2: No, uh just um, you know, maybe um as you look forward to new to your new adventure and I'm sure there'll be a lot of ADM people listening to this um as as we put it out there and we post it and what 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 should they look forward to getting in Garrison Carter as you start this new journey? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm excited
1: for this opportunity at ADM. I, I really am. You know, it's a tremendous opportunity not only for me but for my wife as well. Um, it gives us a chance to get back closer to our family. And I, I think ADM is kind of a blank slate, you know, and I have loved my time at Washington. We have been extremely successful. Um, but I'm kind of a builder by nature. You know, I'm looking for this opportunity to go into a program that's been kind of down but I think I think they have a ton of things in place to come in and be successful and to build a, a, a culture and a program that can, you know, kind of self-sustain and, and be successful for a long time. So, um, you know, what can they expect from me? They can expect me to be extremely high energy. They can expect me to be extremely passionate about the kids, um, and they can expect that, that no staff is going to outwork us. And, and um, for, after that, we'll let the chips fall where they may.
2: That's awesome, Coach. Uh You know, completely off topic from football-related stuff, you chose your uh, introduction song to be Dust on the Bottle. Um, You've got to give us a little reasoning behind that before we let you go.
1: Well, dude, you you guys asked me what walk-up song I wanted, and the first one that came to mind was Stone Cold Steve Austin theme song. But then I was thinking, (laughs) if I'm going to represent my roots, and and I'm a Southeast Iowa guy, I grew up on the lake, uh, I drive a truck, I'm I'm kind of low-key, you know, so in the... You know, I'm just kind of a country dude, and there's no better country song ever than Dust on the Bottle. So,
2: (laughs) Well, we appreciate your time, Coach. Thank you very much. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on.